world the great escape i'm cj peterson and my co-host over there is author michael scott clifton how are you doing today mike oh i'm doing great doing great how was your weekend because you were at a uh, show right uh we had let's see you had one no. between book world not necessarily this weekend it was like a thursday was yeah like we book had world. the the longview art walk which is done quarterly so there'll be one more i think in december and uh yeah did that it's uh Four times a year, quarterly, April, July, October, and December, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, yeah, it's in uh, downtown Longview. It's kind, of, it's really neat. Usually have tons of people, and we are in the Verabank lobby. And uh, there's several, there's several author, other authors are there. Uh, it's uh, good to be inside to the two previous art walks. The one in July that was like a hundred and five day. So you can imagine all the vendors outside. And then on April, the wind was blowing so hard that uh, you, no one had could keep pavilions or anything up. Uh, so, again, we were always inside on the Verabank lobby. You don't nearly, you don't have quite as much traffic there, but at the same time, you don't have to worry about, you know, adverse weather, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, yeah. So it's been a, uh, it's been a good week. And Friday, uh, I'm supposed to do a, book talk with dc gomez she's at eight o'clock in the morning so i'm gonna have to get up i mean i usually get up early but i'll have to get myself wide-eyed and waking why is she so early that. hers is usually eight o'clock at night uh, I, i'm pretty sure she said eight o'clock a.m i wrote that down so maybe she's uh, pre-recording it early uh, i don't know she, i don't know if she she might be uh I, you know i imagine it could be something like that so Anyway, like it's normally she's she's normally like the night. It's usually like six or seven, something like that. Really? Does she? Well, she does she? She may be pre-recording. I'll I'll probably email her just to make sure. I was going to do that anyway because it seemed to me a little, you know, a little early in the morning. But I'm fine because DC does work, so I don't know. <laughs> she may be trying to fit something in between and then being able to post it. I have no okay. idea, but. She's a really cool lady. Um, love her books. So one of them, I've we've actually had her on here. She right. was our first guest right. for Book World, The Great Escape. And then I reviewed one of her books, Death's Intern, which was actually very good. So, yeah. Well, I also had a uh, Larry Hoy, which is an author I met at the SpaCon in Hot Springs. Mm -hmm. uh, we exchanged books. He got, I gave him the Treasure Hunt Club. He gave me his book, um, which I think I showed you, uh, this book here, mm -hmm. Demon's Kiss. Anyway, um, he uh, spotlighted my the Treasure Hunt Club. Uh, and what he does is he gives sort of like the uh, summary description, you know, like you'd put on the back jacket or... Uh, on an Amazon advertisement. Mm -hmm. And then he, then he reads part of the first chapter and he's called the first chapter podcast. He does that for other authors. So anyway, um, he is at www.larryhoy, that's L-A-R-R-Y-H-O-Y.net. And you can see the, uh, the, the podcast that he did, the broadcast of the, the Treasure Hunt Club, the first chapter. I looked at it. It's pretty neat. He, he did a pretty good job. Very cool. Well, my week has been actually mainly a family-focused week. I know we have a wedding this weekend to go to, but this last weekend we just did a family weekend. It was just like, you know, let the world stop for a little bit, let us get off and just enjoy life for a bit. And sometimes you just got to do that. 
So okay. it was very nice. We've slowed down for um, Comic Cons. I think our next one is March. So oh, think, really? Yeah, we've slowed down okay. immensely. Um, I know we're also thinking about doing the Texas Ren Fest on Celtic Christmas weekend, which is our favorite. So we started doing those last year, and it's super fun. If you've never been to the Texas Ren Festival, it is very cool to go to. Um, I love the Celtic Christmas weekend. It's just something that's, I think, pretty much all ages could enjoy. So you're not you're not doing the Tyler Comic Con? No. Oh, okay. Mm -mm. Okay. Just a time thing. I wasn't sure if I'd be off crutches and wheels. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, but I am. So, okay. but today we're going to be talking character inspirations. And so, you know, where do you get your characters? How do you get your characters? How do you do character arcs? How do you do, you know, there's a lot of things that go into characters because they're the story. I mean, you can have a plot, but if you don't have a good character, cast of characters, then it does you literally no good. Hi, Mombi. That's Bombarella. Um, so if you don't have a good cast of characters, you're not going to have a good story. No. So for you, where do you get your characters? Well, I'm sure uh, you're, you've, you've faced the same thing. I get asked that all the time at the book events I've been at. It, I don't, I, it, it's at least every single event I've been to, I get that asked at least once. Mm -hmm. You know, well, where do you get inspiration for your stories? Where do you get inspiration for the characters that you use? And I think in my case, because we are both panthers, mm -hmm. we're not planners. Okay. I think that I have an idea for a character in mind. I don't know where it comes from. I'm sure it has something to do with the interactions. You know, I've lived long enough that I've come across a wide swath of people of different types and personalities. And maybe it's a subconscious thing, you know, in the back of your mind, maybe sometimes, you know, you just think of something that pops in your head and yeah, that, you know, that'd be a good character uh, for, uh, for a story. I think the better question there would be, okay, so you know how the, the old uh, saying, the old adage, what came first, the chicken or the egg? So what came first, the idea for your story or the characters that populate them? And uh, and for me, the story comes first. You know, I've got an idea of a story. And then the characters that would populate that story logically follow. Mm -hmm. So um, so I don't, I don't know how author, other authors do it. I don't have an, a character or a cast of characters, which I think of, and then I build the story around them. I have the story first, and then it's populated with the characters that would logically populate a story like that. And, uh, and you know, there. but I do sometimes, and I'm sure you're the same way, CJ, there are some times where you do come across people who are so... I don't know. I don't unique. hate to say different, unique. 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 Yeah, that's a good word. Unique that you know. Unique. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. That'd be a shame not to use them mm -hmm. at some point in a story, but but I don't think that uh, I don't like. I don't have people that I have personally seen that I build a story around. Like, oh, I had a friend in college, and this is what I'm going to write a story about. Just after this guy here. Mm -hmm. um, I just, I just don't do that. And, um, but, but I will say, like I said, you know, 
when you you live long enough, you know, if you come across a wide enough variety of people, you know, it is a very target-rich environment. You have no shortage of interesting kinds of characters and people that you can build. <laughs> I mean, I've always been a people watcher, even from my right. kids. So even I, I was never a mall rat by any stretch of the definition. Right. But I, whenever I did go to the mall, I would people watch. I'd people watch at church. I'd people watch everywhere. And so kind of, and I moved around a lot. Um, I calculated in a 10 year time span, one time moving 18 times. So we moved around a lot and being an army brat, you get used to seeing people just as people as they are on their inside, not necessarily on their outside, but of course their outside makes, you know, some unique characters as well. But a lot of times, um, I do not know how many times people come up to me and said, Hey, can I be a character in your book? Right. It's usually the first thing. And then the second thing is usually followed by, please don't kill me. <laughs> sometimes there's kind of like oh please let me clean please i can do it gloriously i promise you i can um but a lot of times um what i do is i get the story idea and strangely enough i will go to dreams time until i find the perfect person who i think would fit that character and okay. and that's because if you notice a lot of my books have actual people on the covers right if you can see them there right so a lot of my books have actual people on the covers and that's because i will find the right person that will fit it and i will go from there as far as individual characters or supporting characters a lot of times um they just come with a story as far as my actual character development um it just continues to grow as the story grows mombi says so you're saying no one is safe from an author's harvest of characters. Correct. <laughs> Correct. However, if, it can't, if an author picks you, then you are immortal within the pages of their book. That's, that's you true. I don't look at it this way. <laughs> um, but there are some characters, especially being a youth group leader and you were a principal in a school, you get it. There are just some characters that you just cannot pass up. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of times I will ask them specifically, can I put you in a book? And of course, their line is just, please don't kill me. Or I actually had one guy go, Please just kill me in a great, spectacular way. I said, I can do that. I can do that very easily. This <laughs> is a great <laughs> honor indeed. Um, I had, when I wrote the Sands of Time trilogy, uh, we both have a mutual author friend, Ed Hancock. He's in a wheelchair due to spina bifida. He, he has a character literally that's after him. Eddie is the character and that's his name. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, you can find some unique people that will add to your story and just give it a really good, the twist that it needs. And, you know, it's amazing. I Sometimes I'm like, your character did this, especially Ed Hancock. And he's like, oh, yeah, great. No problem. Was just it justified? Don't kill me. Yeah. He's like, no. Was it justified? I said, yes. He goes, okay, perfectly fine. I'm like, okay, great. Here we go. You know, and so when you can you know, put them in your story and they fit it perfectly. You just, you right. really can't lose. Right. Being pantsers though, we develop characters a different unique way versus right. planner. Right. A planner does what's called character arcs. These stuff gives me hives and I'm already kind of <laughs> talking about it, but character arcs. Um, when I was teaching a teen group, with a friend of mine, an author friend of mine, he's a planner. I'm a pantser. He literally sent me 21 pages of character arcs. I took in my three pages and his was just for one book. 
I took in my three pages of characters for 12 books versus his 21 pages for one book. And I said, this is the classic difference between a planner and a pantser. A planner will take each individual character, kind of like world building, and they will know more about that character than the reader ever will. Whereas a, a pantser will write the character and let the character just take over. Right. And it's it's kind right. of wins on both. Right. If you're an organizer and you need that organization, nothing wrong with it. Um, unless you're a, a pantser, right. then get hives. Um, but if that's, <laughs> your, if that's your style, then go for it. Um, as far as names, a lot of times I will honestly go to baby name places. Um, if mm. it's a different country, I'll say last names for Ireland or last names for England and kind of skim through the names. And I'll be like, okay, I need no, no, no. Yeah, that fits. You know, and so if I'm looking for unique names, um, I'll think, okay, what is this person's background? Katie McKenna from right. um, Grace Restored series. She's Irish background. So I found the McKenna. And of course, Katie is pretty high up there in Ireland too. And so like her mother's name was Meg. And so, you know, there are different ways that you can get ideas for names. I guess. Right, right. Baby name sites are phenomenal place to find them. Well, names are important to your character, obviously, because if the name doesn't fit your character, then, you know, you've already made a huge mistake. And mm -hmm. uh, the dream times comes in for me. Dream right. time. It's the, it, and it's stock photos. So that allows me to be able to, you know, kind of put a face and then I go, oh, sure. The name fits. No, it doesn't right. fit. Um, Mombi says, I guess I wouldn't be a planner either. Never been good at outlining everything. <laughs> and I never, ever nothing will. Wrong. Nothing that. wrong with that. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. <laughs> you know, each person's individuals. Some right. are planners, some are pantsers, some are a little bit of a hybrid right. on the in-between. Um, but if you're sticking a planner in a room with a pantser, one of them's going to get hives and one of them's going to get <laughs> So just telling you flat out. Right. And you try to get them to write in the same book, like a co-author a book, it's Good luck well, with that. Well, names, that's a good point because in the Conquest of the Veil series, a fantasy series that I just completed in July with the fourth book, uh, I in the first book, I have a pretentious, spoiled, rich girl. Mm -hmm. And, okay, her, her name is Lady Anne Golightly. Now, you need a pretentious name for mm -hmm. a pretentious person. Had her name been Betty or Sue, mm -hmm. that would not have fit the character. Right. Now, I do have, there's a two or three things, too, I think, with characters and characterization uh, that I think we all use, whether we're planners or pantsers. And that is, if you, like you had said, you go, you know, you may go to the wall, mall and people watch, okay? Mm -hmm. Qu quirks that certain people have. Okay, hold uh, on just a second before we go to there. Um, Nancy Durham says, how do you create a character's name? Um, a lot of times we were just talking about it. Sometimes it's somebody you know. Um, sometimes like I had officer Herman Williams, his real name is Bill Herman. Um, sometimes you go to baby name places and you can find them. Sometimes it's just somebody, you know, especially if they have like a really unique name, um, and you like it to, so, Hey, can I use that for a name for a character in a book? There's lots of places where you get information, but regarding quirks. Oh, so anyway, with quirks, I think whether you're a planner or a pantser, uh, I think we all use quirks, pe things that we notice that other people do. 
like mm-hmm. their mouth, you know, uh, for example, uh, someone who's constantly looking over their shoulder, like, you know, they're twirling with hair, yes, biting nails. Yeah, or twirling their hair. Mm-hmm. Or I'm reading a novel by Stephen King called Fairy Tale, and one of the bad guys in there ends each sentence with a ha ha, you know, and that's kind of a quirk. So quirks are good character traits that mm-hmm. help to identify the RCD and have to do things in three, you know, right. what is it that, and it's better to have characters that do have quirks because it makes them more human. You don't want like a pat character, I guess is the word I would right, use. Right. Um, one that's a stereotype. You don't want those. Um, if they're bad, why are they bad? If you can get a reader to understand and actually somewhat sympathize with the villain, you've done your job well. Right. Because uh, good. If they fully understand why they are the way they are, then you, you've done it well. And sometimes the quirks are the story mm-hmm. of the character. So like in the uh, old TV series, Monk, uh, mm-hmm. he is exactly. very fastidious and uh, everything has to be clean. He won't step on cracks. Everything must be... Uh, He's major OCD. Yes, yeah, he's OCD, and probably who knows, maybe, maybe a little touch of autism as well. You know, because everything has to be logically put put in order. Uh, so I think too that uh, with with characters, when um, when you observe folks, and you you know you oh I know what I was going to say yes. So with uh, series, mm-hmm. with uh, formulaic writing Mm -hmm. okay your characters don't change now they can evolve Mm -hmm. okay a very important point they can evolve but you take the harry potter series you know harry potter and his friends okay harry potter was the same harry potter at from the first book to the last book Mm -hmm. with growth and evolvement and of course all of his friends as well Mm -hmm. and so when you have series like that once you have your characters established then at that point, it just come. What you're doing is you're adding characters mm-hmm. to maybe some bad guys or something like that, or um, something surfaces from their right, past. Right, right, right. So it's, I mean, and I think with, I think too, with with authors who do a lot of formulaic writing, ninety mm-hmm. percent uh, of their work actually goes into their first book because, as far as characterization goes, because that's where they're establishing. Their characters, you know, Agatha Christie, Perrault, okay, the Belgian sleuth, okay, uh, you know, she came up with a killer character and wrote a lot of books with Perrault as the, uh, you know, as the uh, main character. So um, it can be a little easier, you know, mm-hmm. once once you if you do formulaic writing and you have a uh, um, and you have a series. Mm-hmm. I think with us though, um, and I know especially with myself. Um, I try not to have similar characters in a new book mm-hmm. that's not really related to the books I've had before. And I think readers pick up on that pretty quick after a while. And I, and unfortunately I think uh, some of the authors, you know, I, I, I read a lot. I read across a lot of different genres. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've read a lot of famous authors, you know, very successful authors, John Grisham, you know, uh, David Baldacci, uh, Stephen King, and others. And I have noticed, though, that sometimes 
you when you've written five, 10, 20 books, you do get to the point where your characters start to your new characters mm-hmm. do start to look like the old characters you had in previous books. And of course, you don't ever, as an author, mm-hmm. want to fall into that trap. Well, I know with my Team Angel series, which is like 13, 14 books, I think it's 14 books, um, the characters cross over storylines. So I'm able to pull different characters up to pull different characters forward. And that was done. But when I moved over to the Sands of Time trilogy, you know, each one of the kids had a different ability. The ability kind of affects their personality. A lot of the mind ones are usually shyer because they know what's going through people's minds. Right. You know, and they're empathic. So they tend to be a little bit more shy around people because they're literally reading your mind. You know, but then there's the telekinetics who are stronger, which means they have a stronger personality because they can take you down like that. So it's like a lot of times. And then um, Adam is one who is akin to a precog. So he's used to studying people. So he's very observant before he jumps in. So there's different um, glitches, but there's also things like hobbies. You know, do they garden? Do they draw? Do they play an instrument? Um, do they skateboard? Do they, you know, do they like sports? Do they not like sports, but have always wanted to, you know, there's a lot of different people kind of think through your school. I mean, and kind of bump it up to adulthood. If you're writing bigger people books, as I call them, or if you're writing YA or new A books, you know, just make sure to um, make them different. Right. It's kind of like there's there's basically seven storylines in the entire world. It's that each author brings a different perspective to change the storyline in a different way. It's kind of like when we did that anthology with the underground authors. We were given a single picture and we literally had mm-hmm. 10 to 12 different stories with just this one picture. And so it's like you can take things and kind of put your spin on them. Uh, what I'm doing sometimes is even changing genres. Right. I had like the paranormal, supernatural, and the team angel. I've got straight sci-fi with dealing with genetic manipulation and abilities in the Saints of Time trilogy. I've got time travel and chain reaction, and I'm working on a, a more of a romance, kind of a little bit on the dark side, but a little bit of a romance on the new book that I'm working on now. So it's like sometimes if you feel like you're in a rut, kind of adjust the genre a little bit. See if that can pull you out. Well, you know, everybody, all authors, you know, you have certain types of people. Mm-hmm. For example, take bullies. Okay. If you have a book that has a bully in it, well, everyone knows what a bully is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why is so, he or she why is, And what does this bully look like? Is it a in-your-face bully? Is it a, is he or she a sneaky bully that does things behind your back? Mm-hmm. Is it a bully that uh, puts up other people to, uh, to do their dirty work for them? And so, mm-hmm. you know, that's, and I think too, that's in making a character. If you're going to have a character, that's a bully. That's a very well-worn trope. Everybody knows what a bully is. So how does your bully stand out above the other bullies that mm-hmm. every other author has written about? And that's where, you know, you have to be a little bit creative that you don't just have your stereo, stereotypical Billy that's like everybody else's, uh, you know, they have to be a little bit different, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, and serial, serial killers are, 
are, you know, another, you know, that's murder mysteries right. and or crime dramas. Serial. Dahmer. I mean, you, you, or, serials are even different. Or Dexter, you know, the series that's Dexter. Right. You know, well, Dexter is there, well, there may, is he a good, he's a, I guess he's, he's a, a, good, a serial good serial killer because he only kills bad guys. But see, but those are the unique. traits that make him different. That's right. That's what makes that's him unique. Extremely unique. And that's what was so cool about Dexter. You know, and, and he was very meticulous in what he did and yeah, how he did you, it. Have you ever think you'd, yeah. and you'd yeah. find yourself pulling for the serial killer? You know, uh, who would have thought that, right? If, if you can, <laughs> Casey, Casey says we love a good serial killer. If you can sympathize with the villain and understand the villain to the point that you kind of are starting to sort of pull for him, then, like I said, the, the writer has done their job. If he's just a bully for sake of being a bully, then you haven't done your job. No, it's, you, know, you have why? to make him, make him interesting. Have, yeah, figure out why, what makes yeah. him different or her different. Why? Could, maybe it's a her, you know, her serial killer. Casey, do not take notes on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no one here is pulling for dead. Um, but why is it, you know, that your character is that way? Popular kids, you know. People are always like admiring the popular kid, but a lot of them don't know that a lot of times they're dealing with home issues where, yeah, they may have money, but the parents may not be home. They may be absentee parents. So, you know, if you can kind of dive into them, you, you can't stay up here with characters. You got to go down here and figure out why they are the way they are. And they will get fleshed out in the story. And if you do that, then you've done your job well. They each need their own identity. Mm -hmm. And it and it needs to be one clearly different than what everybody else is yeah, trying to do. Needs, needs needs to be recognizable. It doesn't need to be so off the shelf that uh, it's weird. Although there's weird stuff still sells just as well. But you know, it just doesn't need to be part of the great thundering herd. Uh, that every, every character has a motivation. What is their motivation in the chain reaction? Um, Tripp's motivation was that he was the last one in the family line and he didn't want that to be the last one in the family line. He didn't want that to be their legacy. And eventually Tori picked up on it and they were on this mission together uh, with yours. Um, she was suicidal. And so the Godfather or God, Godfather, wasn't it? Uh, no, the guardian angel. Guardian, guardian angel. angel. Yeah. Took her to a different world, put her in a different place. And so now she has to a figure out this planet but, you know, she has the opportunity to make something different. And right. she did when they went back to Earth in four. Right. So and what did she do with it? So, you know, what is their motivation? What is it that's driving them? And that will channel who's going where and doing what. Uh, the last thing I would add is consistency. Once you have established a character uh, mm -hmm. or characters, uh, you have to be real careful about not making uh, their personalities kind of switch, as the old saying goes, like a horse in midstream, mm -hmm. you know, and confuse readers. You need to be very consistent. That you can cause your, your characters can grow. They can change. Mm -hmm. That happens during the course of the book, and it very rarely happens in an abrupt way because that almost always confuses the reader. So that's a pitfall, definitely. To rather large incident, life-changing right. incident that did it. But it has to make sense within the story. It has line. to be logical. That's right. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, well, we've got two minutes left. Um, honestly, as far as your characters, take a look around. This world is full of them everywhere. <laughs> trust me. Um, next week, we're going to be having a new author, Savannah Loy, and we're going to be talking dystopian fiction with her. She has a new release coming out on the 15th of October. So we're going to be talking to her, getting to know her, find out who she is, how she, you know, where to find her and that sort of stuff. Um, so we'll find her at the same place, same sandbox, so to speak, that you found us here. We're at my YouTube, Mike's YouTube, and we're on Facebook as Bookworld, The Great Escape. So make sure to find us and we will see you all next week. Same time, same sandbox. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Bye-bye.